There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. That's where we're at down at Barasti for the last grill uh, of uh, this year, 2019, uh, and has been pointed out to us. Of course, we've been doing the research for the last three months on this one. It's the last one of the decade as well, which has prompted a couple of questions from the grill panellists. Uh, one, your sports highlight of the last 12 months. Uh, what is that? Well, your, and your sport, sportsman or your sportswoman or your sports beast of 2019. But equally, if that weren't tough enough, what about the last uh, 10 years, the last decade? If you want to get your suggestions in for that, that would be much appreciated. Got a couple that have come through already to us. Thank you very much indeed to all those that are sending uh, their thoughts to us to keep your thoughts coming through to us on 4001 uh, if you'd like to have your say uh, Roger Federer uh, that is from uh, VJ uh, uh, Roger no guess no vote. no won five Grand Slams this decade. It was runner-up in another five. I'll throw some stats at you. Rafa Nadal has won 13 of his 19 in the past decade. He was runner-up in six. Novak Djokovic in the last decade has won 15, three times the amount that Roger has. He's also been runner-up in eight. That means that Novak's been in 23 Grand Slam finals. Rafa's been in 19. Roger has just been in 10. I love Roger, but he was the man of the noughties, not this past decade. Who is globally more iconic then? Of the last decade. Yeah, but Roger Federer's got another 10 years on top of that to work with, Arch. If you're asking me who's made greater strides in this past decade to add to his legend, it's Novak Djokovic, without a shadow of a doubt. It's no longer the big two people talk about Arch after this past decade, it's the big three. When we talk about tennis, we talk about not the greatest tennis player of all time, not the two top two of greatest all time, it's the best three that we've ever seen. It's Roger, it's Rafa, and it's Novak. There is no doubt in my mind that I'm going to lay my cards on the table now. Maybe elicit some text messages on 4001. Well, the debate is none. Novak Djokovic is your sportsman of the past decade. Emad says, I love Federer, but the most underrated star of the decade is Novak. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll throw this one at you. Novak Djokovic or Serena Williams for the last decade? Novak Djokovic. What's Serena's stats then? You just, uh, Serena, you just, you Serena, just wheeled off Novak. So, Novak. I think Serena is 13. I'll double check that, and I will do it now. And but S- Serena Williams is a game. How, how many children did Novak Djokovic? <laughs> no, now we're going Bear. down that route. No, he, he, he bared he bared none. However, that being said, he said, did go through ups and downs, you know, yeah, he um, and he did come back from those ups and downs. He went and found himself on a mountain, you know, he did. sat up there and, and right. looked at the views. Here's Serena. One, two, three, three Australian Opens since th- 2010. Two French Opens, that takes her up to five. She's won four Wimbledons, that's nine. And she's won three US Opens, so she's on 12. Not bad. Not bad, it's not Novak. You not think? No. Oh, I love it. Well done, Benji. It took you about five minutes to get so there. So there's, there's the great debate then. So you're saying that Novak trumps Federer. He trumps... I'm going to go beyond trumps, it. I'm, he, he Novak is, trumps everyone. Okay. Novak is the athlete, the male athlete of this decade. For that, there is no doubt, in my opinion. He has won so many ATP Masters 1000 events. He's had the greatest year in our lifetime. Forget Roger, 2011, the great Pete Sampras. I think he lost, what, five matches, Novak? Has come out to say it's the best year he's ever seen. And that's before we even throw in the Novak Slam. He held all four Grand Slams at once in 2016, Arch. Rod Laver did two calendar slams all the way back when. Roger, Rafa, none of those men have held 
the four majors, the four Grand Slams at the same time. Novak has done that this past decade. He's without a peer. And I'm saying this as a man that doesn't really like Novak Djokovic. Don't say that. He's here. He's not. He's, he's here. He's in Novak, the Novak, if you're listening, I like you. Did you not see me? Of course, you've been flying for the last 48 hours. You didn't yeah. see the post, did you? I on, did. Uh, on, yeah, uh, I did. Uh, down at down Nadal Sheba. Down at Nadal Sheba, yeah. I did, I saw that. Now, yeah. that is a, that, that's a pair to be down in the gym with, isn't it? Uh, if those is that it? haven't seen it, get yourself on to... <laughs> well, not. I mean, it makes you feel very inferior as, as a human being. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, an opportunity to see um, uh, Novak Djokovic and a certain Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, obviously both in town at the moment, both training uh, like uh, titans down at the Nadal Sheba gym. Uh, uh, and having a little bit of uh, sort of sporting bants between a the two. A jump off, yeah. essentially, is what it was. Obviously, Ronaldo went viral a week or so ago with his leap in that time. I mean, unbelievable. Wasn't it? Michael Jordan-esque is what it was. And Novak was having a bit of fun with it. It was all a bit of a mutual loving. So, and so you're putting Novak, not just as your tennis player of the decade, the athlete of the decade, ahead yeah. of yeah. LeBron Messi, James. Messi, Messi and Ronaldo. Messi and Ronaldo. LeBron James. Yeah. We're talking about global, iconic yep. sportsmen. Yep. Floyd Mayweather. I'm putting him ahead of Floyd. You're putting him ahead of Lewis Hamilton? I'm putting him ahead. Oh, yes, I'm putting him ahead of Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Five world titles, yeah. Predominant the last half dominant. of the decade. You, you can't even throw Lewis Hamilton into the mix, Arch. Why? You poo-poo F1 all the time about the fact that it's more machine than man. So you can't throw that one at me. I would have Lewis Tom in my top Tom wants to 10. put horses into the event. <laughs> he wants to put jockeys. <laughs> we'll let him do that. A couple of horses I'll throw in there as well, yeah. but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I, what about Simone Biles? Simone Biles, 100%. I would have, and I think I said this on my show last week or the week before, Simone Biles is my female athlete of the past decade. Up there with Serena, it would be a close call, but I just look at Simone and what she's done for gymnastics. I mean, she now holds the record for most medals at World Championships. She's got moves, for goodness sake, named after her. She's doing things that the world of gymnastics has never seen. So she would be my female athlete, Novak, my male. Uh, I tell you, I stick by it. LeBron James, what did he get to? Nine successive NBA championship finals? Was that what it was? Miami Heat and the Cleveland... In Cleveland, I think it was nine. But how many did he win? He only won like yeah, but then then you, you again we've got the really difficult debate between individual sportsmen like Novak who play and then team sportsmen who reliant on LeBron's reliant on still four other players. Ronaldo, and, and Messi, or Ronaldo, Messi, both of those. You know, we, chuck them in the mix. We're going down a difficult path there, but I mean, oh, I mean, LeBron you're not having Novak. I can Le- tell Le- you're not LeBron James. People that have made <laughs> it. People, Novak is he? People, not people, people that have made a difference in the world again. Global icons of their sport who transcend their sport. I'd argue that Novak Djokovic doesn't really transpi- tra- transcend tennis. Oh, no. You just compared to, to LeBron James, compared to a, a number of those people we've just discussed, he doesn't transcend the sport as much as Roger Federer. Does, Le- does LeBron transcend it? Oh, global. Is he? Yeah, but basketball's massive. Is he? In, massive in China, massive in US, big in, big in Europe. I'm aware of how big it is, but is LeBron really a... Tra- if, you're using, if you're batting Novak Djokovic with the same stick, Roger and Rafa have done Novak's they, hard they are both. They are both more iconic and globally and more universally popular than Novak Djokovic. Michael Jordan is more so than LeBron James. Oh. Yes! Yes! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Michael Jordan retired 20 years ago. We're talking about the last, year, yeah, last decade. So Novak can't help that the two greatest or two of his equals are in the same era. And I can't quite believe I'm batting for Novak as passionately as I am because... Novak won't be listening, he'll be on Virgin or something like that, but I'm not his biggest fan, in truth be told, but I, I do truly believe, I, I'm trying to put my journalistic hat on here, my broadcaster hat on, crunching the numbers, 
you can't knock Novak. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of with you. You've got to go moment. beyond the stats. You've got to look a bit beyond the stats. Okay, so well, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, uh, it, it, we've been involved. We've all been involved or been to uh, the um, Battle of World Tennis Championship yes. over the last few, over the last decade, yep. uh, in fact. Um, uh, and we've seen sort of the, the emergence of certain players, but also the domination of other players. Um, uh, we've just seen the culmination of the last of the battle. And I take, look, OK, this is not a Grand Slam event or anything, but just in terms of how you get a very, very cross-section demographic of tennis fans, not Australian fans, not uh, American fans, not English fans, where you would in other parts of the world. This is a, play, this is a tournament that brings together all different nationalities yeah. to support their own. And there are two players that have, uh, have, 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 have won over the crowd. Uh, well, probably three. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, one man that made it through to the final this year. But uh, crowd favourites uh, down the years have been Rafa Nadal, goes without saying, and Novak Djokovic. Yeah. And that might, not, that might come as a surprise to a lot of people. But I think his fan pace has, as, as you were suggesting, absolutely catapulted over the last 10 years. Uh, 100%. And listen, I, I kind of tongue-in-cheek poke fun at Novak and, and all the rest of it. He's not... He does doesn't have the rivalry or a Roger and a Rafa do. They're the storied rivalry. But then crunch the numbers. He's got a better head-to-head record against Rafa. He holds a better head-to-head record against Roger. And you talk to your tennis analyst, every one of those at their peak, Roger, Rafa and Novak. And again, the guys that follow, the, the guys and gals that follow these lot would tell you that Novak wins more than he loses against those two. On his day, he doesn't have a weakness. The second serve is now a strength. Boris did a great job on that. He moves as good as anyone. He's got the best backhand, perhaps, in tennis history. And and Everton have taken the lead. We'll break away from that as I can uh, construct my argument about Novak. Keep your thoughts coming in on that. But we've got to go. I was about to say Goodison. It's not at Goodison. It's at St James's Park. Carlo Angelotti cuts. A bit of a forlorn figure. He is a bit unemotional. He should be because it's Newcastle nil. Everton won. Oh, what an appointment it's proving to be. (laughs) And it's Dominic Calvert-Lewin once again. And this is predatory. Duncan Ferguson, who's on the coaching staff with Carlo, will be delighted with this because Calvert-Lewin has been accused of, well, he's not been enough of a poacher. He's not someone that sniffs out the chances. My goodness, he's done that right there. The ball ricochets around, it falls to him. Swipe with the right boot into the far corner. It's Newcastle nil, Everton one. And I did say I fancied Everton for a win today. Uh, thank you very much indeed to VJ, who's also thrown me as well. Another suggestion that he's come up with. Uh, he came up uh, with uh, uh, Rafael Nadal. He came up with um, Roger Federer. He also threw into the mix Lin Dan, which had me going, who? Chinese badminton player. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Lin yeah. Dan. Was in Dubai. Just read my Wikipedia page. No, 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 yeah. because I obviously worked on the uh, oh, Win- Dubai did. World yeah, Super yeah, Series yeah. for a number of years. And Lindan, extremely dominant in his sport. Yeah. Does he trans? Just as you say there, does he transcend the sport globally? I'd probably not argue. over the last ten years, though. Uh, I mean, yeah. gold at the London Olympics 2012, but his other gold was in 2008, so that doesn't yeah. count. Uh, what's he done at the World Championship? In the in, okay, hang on. Uh, two golds at the Worlds and two silvers at the Worlds. Uh, no, hang on. Two golds and one silver during the last decade. What's in the he Worlds. done at the Olympics? Uh, in the last decade, gold. 2012 gold. Okay, so, so that's gold at the 2000 and uh, one uh, Olympic gold. Uh, two two golds, the worlds, and a silver. Yes, yeah, I may be wrong, but I think he's also uh, hung up his shuttlecock recently as well. So he's probably not playing <laughs> as regularly as he was. <laughs> Right. <laughs> in the past. He's hung up but his water. <laughs> <laughs> right. okay. at the end of the era. Doesn't mean he can start taking liberties. All right. 
I do want to throw another name out there, though. No, 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 no. Oh, please, no. <laughs> We're trying to get through to nine o'clock, if that's all right. <laughs> Before the watershed or after the watershed, Arch. Come on, though. But uh, what, what about, I mean, we've talked about lots of sports. And it's very hard sometimes to, d- to differentiate between the team sportsmen, the individual sportsmen. There's a few variables there that uh, it's a grey area, right, in what we're debating. What about throwing the likes of Verrick Coley? Yes, he's on my list. For the last decade. Yeah, I've got of, him of, on my list. Of, Steve Smith? Steve Smith, yes. Does he... I mean, yeah, he's got a little little cross next to his name as well. Where, Been fantastic yeah, in point. the last 12 months, fair Steve point. Smith. But over the last decade... Has Virat. Virat's in. Virat. Yeah, absolutely. You've got Virat in your top 10? Uh, I've got him. I've written him down. I can give you the guys who have written down here. Some contentious ones. I've got Novak. Virat Kohli. He was actually second. And again, there's no order to this. I've got Lionel and Cristiano Ronaldo. I've got Tom Brady. I've popped down LeBron James. I feel that we need to have a rugby player in there. Given the fact that your boys won the World Cup, and, well, yeah, he's the. I did write him down, but is that a bit of a cop out? No, I think I think you won it in 2011. You won it in 2015. Well, then you look at Dan Carter didn't play in 2011. He was injured. I'd say I'd say Richie McCaw. Richie McCaw then greatest rugby player of all time. Yeah, statistically, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I've also put in here, and this is a contentious one. Rory McIlroy. Ooh, four majors. How many 1,000, I'm talking tennis. How many WGCs has he won? Oh, won a Players' Championship. He's been on Ryder Cup winning teams. Go, go, He's been the preeminent golfer of the last decade. There's yes, no doubt about that. But over the last, say, four to five years, Brooks Kipke has probably, been, probably had his number. Yeah, again, Dustin we're Johnson. talking decade. Yeah. Consistency. No, no, you're right. And I, I mean, we, we talk about golf and you always think about Tiger Woods, but we think Tiger Woods went 11 years without, that, without winning a Grand Slam, adding to his Grand Slam account before earlier this year. And golf... I struggle to pick it, pick a golfer out of the last decade. Rory's an obvious name. Brooks Kipka's in there. Dustin Johnson's been been pretty good, but um, if you're going with Rory McIlroy, I guess he, he's he's growing so much in in, in the last decade the, as a player to look for. The debate rages, uh, and we want you to contribute yeah, to involved. that debate. Get in touch with the show uh, either on text message four zero zero one or have your say online at Dubai I one three eight FM at Dubai I Sports. Uh, VAR is in action down at Southampton at the moment. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. In fact, uh, that's the team news we haven't given you yet. We are now able to give it to you. We'll take a short break and then we'll give you all the team news uh, from Southampton against Palace. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Earlier on today with the early kickoff, uh, and that's why one of the uh, seven o'clocks is ongoing at the moment. Three games kicking off at seven. Uh, just the one goal to report at the moment. Uh, it's Carlo Ancelotti's uh, all-conquering Everton, uh, who lead Newcastle at Newcastle by one goal to nil. Uh, let's get down to the south coast because there was a little bit of question mark over a goal. VAR was in action or put into use. Result? Yeah, I can tell you, it's not good news. If you're a Crystal Palace fan, the reason for that being. Your side did take the lead, or at least we thought they took the lead. Max Meyer it was who scored, but it was a judge that Wilfred Zaha had, well, just just edged offside. And when I mean edged, I mean they've got the lines out. They've got the 19 lines out to, I don't know what all the colours mean. It's like the rainbow is what it means, but it means something to someone. And Wilfred Zaha was a judge to have been offside, so it remains Southampton nil, Crystal Palace nil. Southampton, of course, coming off the back of that wonderful 2-0 win at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea on Boxing Day. So their confidence is high and uh, what would have been punctuated a little bit had that goal stood. It doesn't. It remains Southampton nil. Crystal Palace nil. That's what's happening uh, at Southampton. We haven't given you the team news yet, have we? So let's do exactly that. Uh, Before
before we do, I just want to hear from Big Ralph. I watched this game uh, about seven hours ago. Uh, Chelsea against Southampton. Extraordinary. Obviously, the result of the last round, if we use that word, uh, in the English Premier League. Uh, and a, a real stepping stone uh, for what's going on at Southampton at the moment. Get the reflections and the thoughts of the boys on that in just a few moments. But only fair that we hear from the big man himself. He was absolutely ecstatic about this result and with good reason as well. Uh, so Big Ralph, I always call him Big Ralph because I can't pronounce his surname, but Big Ralph, <laughs> uh, what about that Chelsea result? Sure you have to have a tactical plan, but if without, patient, uh, without passion, I think it doesn't work. Uh, so you can always speak about the shape there, the shape there, but if you don't uh, have the intention to close, to come behind the ball, to work against the ball, then uh, the best plan is not working. I think we were good prepared for both shapes. We knew that uh, they had success in the last game with a back five. So yes, for me, it wasn't so surprising that they start again in this shape. And then the halftime, it was also clear when they are one down that they get a little bit more offensive. But also for the 43, we trained very well this week for this shape. and. Yeah, uh, more proud, um, but with the moments when we win the ball, because I think, if, especially in the second half, we showed that we that we can play also some good passes also, and, and I think this is important against such an opponent because when you only defend, there comes the moment that the pressure gets too much, and then you you lose such games, and that is something that ha- happened very often in the past. Today it didn't because we stayed brave, we tried to keep them far away from our goal, and yeah, in the end, I think it was yeah. By far the best performance this season. Best performance of the season so far goes without uh, saying, that's for sure. Um, I mean, Chelsea, we'll get on to Chelsea in just a little while. What's going on there at the moment? In the meantime, though, uh, let's talk about Southampton. Uh, how does big Ralph uh, back himself up after that particular performance? Has he got 11 fit players? He does have 11 fit players. It's four wins from six. It is five uh, results in their last seven. Four wins, a draw, and those two defeats. So they're on a bit of an upward curve, are Southampton. Ralph Hussenhattel as well, Tom. It is that. It is the old. Big Ralph. Big Ralph, we'll stick with that. I can tell you, he's named another strong side today. Alex McCarthy in goals. A back four, Cedric Suarez, uh, uh, Jack Stevens, Jan Bednarek and Ryan Bertrand across the back four. Sofian Bufal's been given a start wide on the right. James Ward-Prowse and Pierre Hoiberg in the middle. Nathan Redmond, who scored first goal since August in the Premier League. That second goal against Chelsea. Then it's the front two, Danny Ings, who's in a rich vein of form right now, the former Liverpool man. And he's been partnered alongside Che Adams. A lot expected of Che Adams. He was a big summer signing from Birmingham City. I know there were a number of Premier League clubs that kept an eye on Che Adams, Brighton being one of them last season. It was Southampton who won the race for him. He's been a bit stop-start. He needs a goal, does Che. He's been given the start today. Southampton 4-4-2 and Big Ralph is looking to make it three wins on the bounce for the first time this season. Uh, what about their opponents this afternoon? It's Big Roy's boys uh, who have made their way over uh, not a million miles away. They've just gone, they've basically gone uh, SAF. Yeah, they would have gone south, but it may be a bit sort of south-west-ish uh, for the Palace boys, but they've gone south, down to Southampton. What's Roy gone with? Roy's made uh, two changes from the Crystal Palace side that edged past your beloved West Ham at Selhurst right. Park. Can, I, can I just get in? That's the second time I've heard that this, this, this show, and I hear it every single show. Can I just tell, tell you that I'm reconsidering the phrase no, beloved, all right? come on now. I'm reconsidering. It's just waning a little bit, right? right. They'll always be my team. But can I just say Beloved, Beloved might be just taking it a bit too far at the moment. Okay, so Crystal Palace, yeah, they're having... Begrudging? Re- I'll take begrudging if that's all right. Okay. Fine. 
Crystal Palace having a good season, a ninth currently, 26 points. That is, Tom, uh, seven points ahead of your beloved West Ham in 17th. Oh, <laughs> uh, just to put it in there. So two changes to Roy Hodgson's team. I can tell you that uh, Goita is in goal. Back four of uh, Riedewald, Sarko, Tompkins and Kelly. Uh, Mikhailovic in the middle of uh, centre of midfield. MacArthur on the, on the left-hand side of him and McCarthy on, on the right. Uh, Wilfred Zaha has been a bit disappointing this season. Lots of rumoured transfers. Was he going to go to Arsenal? Did he? He stayed. And he hasn't been great, to be honest. Uh, Jordan Ayew, on the other hand, has had a good season. He'll be up front, and then Meyer will be up the right-hand side. Yeah. Nice little line. I mean, again, Crystal Palace, one of those teams, aren't they? Sort of a bit of a... It's probably too highbrow to use this, but a bit of a curate's egg. You're never quite sure what to make no, of it. No, absolutely, and it's interesting to listen to Roy Hodgson after that win against West Ham say, I need reinforcements. I need Simon Parrish and Mark Bright, who's part of the kind of recruitment team. I need them to dig into their pockets. I need a helping hand here because he's done so well as Roy Hodgson. What is he now? 72 years of age. And listen, he was found out a little at England. He was most certainly found out at Liverpool. He was magnificent at Fulham. He's doing a stellar job at Crystal Palace. He's found his level, is what he has. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He's a wonderful football manager. He's just happier when he's got clubs that are punching above their weight. And that team today, I look at it, Sacco, for Liverpool, Tompkins, Martin Kelly, again ex-Liverpool, eh, Rydewald, ex-Ajax, MacArthur and McCarthy, the two young boys from Hamilton Academical who were managed by Billy Reid, now assistant at Brighton and Hove Albion, two of the real stars, if you will, of Scottish football, youngsters. Wilfred Zaha is a 50, 60, 70 million pound player, if you believe some. Jordan, A, you looks a man possessed and a man reborn. If you saw his goal against West Ham, I think it was likened to Diego Maradona. So he's got a pool of a, of a team there and then you look at his bench. Connor Wickham, decent player. Chiek Coyote, decent player. I think he's done well, Roy. Wayne Hennessy, Welsh international on goal. Yeah, Wayne Hennessy on, on the bench. We're still not talking Christian Benteke. We're still not talking Andres Townsend. So there's a squad at Crystal Palace, a very good one at that. Interesting you mentioned there about signings, because you're right, that's exactly what he addressed uh, after that particular game. Um, he wasn't uh, ready to sort of, you know, rest on his laurels or anything like that. He was talking about uh, the fact that, you know, they went number a number of players during the summer transfer period, but didn't get them. So when asked the question about January, he said, what is going to be the policy? He says, well, we're going to try again and get them. Our thinking going into the summer transfer window was very much the same as it is today. It hasn't changed, so there's no question of panic buying. But it's obviously not a good situation when you, you know, at the weekend we had three, three players from the under-23 squad who's never played in the first team, and Conor Wickham, who's not played in the first team in the Premiership for, I think it's three years now, uh, almost three years. You know, that's not an ideal situation, you know. I hear about the other clubs with their injury problems, but when I look at their team and their benches, I don't see that type of situation we found ourselves in. But once again, fantastic credit to the players that, you know, we, we used Max just at the last 10 minutes of the game and the 12 players that played in the game dealt with it very, very well and I thought we were unlucky not to come away with a good result. So, so to clarify, if, if you don't mind, if you can find the right player in the right position defensively, then it's a yes, probably in January. Uh, to be fair, the, the, it depends, I suppose, with the injury situation at the back. We have to be careful because we don't want to be bringing players in and then these players at the end of January are fit again. And suddenly we had a situation earlier in the season where we had five centre-backs for two positions and I was leaving three good players out, suddenly you go down to one centre-back who's available. Those four will come back, so we have to be very careful. It's not so much 
we're going to have to get through this period. There's no question of that. But there's no doubt in my mind, and I don't think the club's mind either, that the players that we were maybe looking to bring into the club in the summer and improve our squad with, they are still our targets. But they're not necessarily all sendable. Uh, it is uh, Palace in action uh, against uh, um, Southampton. That's what's going ongoing at the moment. Uh, no goals to report in that particular game as yet. A couple of incidents, but nothing else? Nothing, Tom. Half an hour gone at St Mary's. Southampton nil, Crystal Palace nil. Still Watford nil, Aston Villa nil. Everton are the only side that have scored in the three 7pm kickoffs this evening. Dominic Calvert-Lewin with it. So Newcastle nil, Everton won. Still awaiting more goals. No championship action to tell you about. If you're interested, I can tell you from the England <laughs> National <laughs> League. Sutton United have beaten you over time 3 2. Go on, the Chris Sutton. <laughs> and that's about it to uh, report. Let us uh, take another short break when we come back. Uh, more cricket and more reviews of the year. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. That's where we are. We're down here at Barasti. It's the last show of the year. It's the last show of the decade. And therefore, we are taking the opportunity to reflect on the year that was. Uh, Let's get a quick one from the cricket, if we can. Mark Archer. Well, I'll bring you up to date on both scores live from Centurion. It's our ICC World Test Championship. First Test match, South Africa hosting England into day three, session three. And England, as I said this at the start of the show, Tom, have a little chance here. 121 for one they are. They do need a massive score, 376 for victory, but currently 121 for one. Uh, Rory Burns is going really well, 67 not out. Uh, only wicket to fall so far is Dom Sibley. He's been caught and bowled Maharaj for 29, and Joe Dentley is also four not out. So England 121 for one. If they can survive the final, uh, there's another 10 overs to go today. They might have a little shout tomorrow. They've got plenty of power in the middle order. We know the world-class uh, match winners in the middle order like Ben Stokes, Joss Butler, um, Joe Root to come. Might give them a bit of rest. We know they've got the illness floating around. They may just fancy themselves uh, with an ch- outside chance. 255 more runs they require. Nine wickets remaining. There yeah. you go. Settle I'm, down. I'm, I'm not going to get carried away with your optimism. What I'm going to do is just jump in and ask a question because I want to talk more cricket and uh, obviously you've got uh, plenty to, to, to bring to the table there. I just want to uh, throw Ben Stokes into the mix. Not for Player of the Decade at all, uh, anything like that, but Player of the Year. He got the BBC Sports Personality and I know that's very, very British-centric. It doesn't really take into account uh, everyone else, but... He's got to be one of the standouts. He's got to be one of those on the list in terms of achievements over the last 12 months. Cricket or sportsman? Because I don't even think he's the cricketer of the year. Ooh, okay. Steve, Steve Smith, for just what he did in the Ashes. We're talking about an average that was Don Bradman. Did you not watch yeah. the World Cup? But that's, that's that. Cricket World Cup. That's one series in 12. Yeah, but Stokes... Stokes won a Cricket World Cup for England. And then he won, he won a match. He, he, he had to play the innings of a yeah. lifetime... To, to, to defeat Australia but why in what Keep game the series of that? what does Steve Smith do he scored lots of runs exactly he scored loads of runs did you, what did he win what did he win for Australia Ben Stokes scored lots of runs took lots of wickets took lots of catches okay. and he won a World Cup L- and he won an Ashes Test match Tom you're a, you're a test purist at the start of this year had you been asked an England World Cup winner or an Ashes Series win what would you have chosen both come on uh, be honest with me here no World Cup win I think I would would have, is, is what I would have gone with because because they hadn't done it before, um, and it was the sort of it was the it was the one glaring omission from that trophy cabinet. Um, however, again, I mean, I, I go back to my boring old stuck record argument. 
the two games are so different these days anyway, there's nothing to stop you winning both of them because they're almost pretty different, completely different teams. They, they should be, in my mind, managed by completely different coaching staffs uh, because white ball and red ball cricket or pink ball cricket is, is very different, Mark Archer. Yeah, no, the game's evolved and we've seen the, the, the emergence of T20 in the last decade and that, I guess that's probably one of the biggest sporting innovations we've seen True. in, in that's a decade good now. But uh, yeah, 50, over, 50 over cricket, England playing in England. Obviously, we've seen three World Cups in the last decade. India winning in India, 2011. Australia winning in Australia, 2015. England under pressure of the home crowd and came through. Had an up-and-down tournament. They started well, then they really went off a slump and struggled to get through to the semi-finals. And then, what a final, though. I mean, tied, t- tied super overs, tied, tied matches. And, but Ben Stokes found... And you talk about redemptions, you talk about comeback stories in yeah. sport. We can talk about Steve Smith and his comeback, his fall from grace, but Ben Stokes' fall from grace as well and missing an Ashes series in, 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 in Australia only 18 months ago. To come back from where he was, for me, pound for pound, T20, 50 over cricket, test cricket, batting, bowling, fielding, Ben Stokes is the best all-round cricketer in the world. I don't think you can debate that, bar none. Best all-round cricket in the world. That's, I'll put it out there now. Let's hear it from the man himself as he reflects on the year that was. Quite well. That was a catch I took against South Africa in the first World Cup game at the Oval. I kind of stuffed it up, to be honest. It was actually a pretty regulation catch but I'd stood in the right position. The coaches, they got stuck into me about it should have been in the right place to start off. I hold my hand up. That's why I get called the claw, because I had a very nasty injury to my finger and I had to have three surgeries on it doesn't bend backwards so it's harder for the ball to, to get out of my hand hence why it's like that and I'm called the claw. Yeah so this was the very unfortunate incident for New Zealand and very fortunate for England I guess in the World Cup. Remember that I needed to get back on strike so I just put my head down, turned out of the crease as hard as I possibly could and then when I got to a certain point I just pull a full out dive to, to hopefully try and make my ground and I hit my bat and went away for four. Something like that to Changed the game so much it was obviously you know a freak incident, not something that you'd want to happen like, ever really. I just remember the moment of that, like lying on the floor still and watching watching the ball run away, thinking like, oh god, sort of like, can't believe this has happened. I apologised to Tom Latham, the keeper. I played with him at Durham for a few years. I said sorry to Kane as well. Ah, that is me kicking my bat for the second time at Lords in the summer after the last ball where we needed two to win and one to tie. And we only managed one. That was just me letting my frustration out that didn't quite get us over the line. For it to go down to the wire like that, not just in the normal game, but in the Super Over as well, was something amazing to be involved in. Everyone's reaction was just so natural to them. You don't plan for Super Overs, you don't have a tactic for Super Overs, it's just you've got 10 minutes to think about what you're going to do. So, yeah, it was, it was one of the greatest days I've ever had in cricket field. I said, you know, whatever happens here ain't going to define your career, but, you know, he ended up winning it for us, and it certainly has. It was just from a point of view, if it didn't go well for him, because I've been there and experienced what it's like getting smacked out of the ground in, a, in the last over in a World Cup before. <laughs> Speak of the devil. Look at that picture. Funny, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the World T20 final. I mean, that picture basically just sums up how I felt in that moment in time there. Not one of the best times I've ever had on a cricket field, but I've, I've never, I haven't looked back at this moment ever. It's taught me a lot about dealing with moments that aren't great. And it's also taught me about, you know, staying very level-headed with when it's going well or where it's going, where it's going badly. But I haven't looked back on this and gone, yes, I got my own back for 2016 T20 World Cup. It's just one of those things that happened, yeah.
the crowd favourite throughout the summer, Jack Leach cleaning his glasses. I can't exactly tell you when that was at Headingley because he did it so many times. I knew he was doing it, but I don't think we both had any idea the effect it would have on the public. I told Leachy what the plan was when he came out to bat was I'm going to take you know four four balls of the over or five, you take one or two and see how we go on from there. He knew that he just had to survive when he was batting. It was pretty easy, we both knew what we had to do. That's... Yeah, just after I hit the ball for four at Headingley. Pretty, uh, pretty happy, as you can see. I only really got nervous there when we needed like eight to win or single figures to win. Obviously I believed that we could do it and I still had full faith that uh, Leachy could hang around and we could get these runs, but to go from thinking that to then actually knowing that we can actually win this from here sort of got me a little bit nervous and didn't really know how to play. Loads of thoughts were going through my mind, but I think you can tell from that picture that once we hit the winning runs, that's, that's, how, that's how much it meant to me and the team. Ben Stokes there giving his thoughts on the year that was. Archie. Yeah, he'll be needed tomorrow because I can tell you stumps have been uh, drawn in the Centurion. England 121 for one. They do need 376 for victory, so they need another 255 runs tomorrow. Nine wickets remaining, and Ben Stokes will pay a part in this match tomorrow, along with the likes of Joe Root and Joss Butler and Johnny Bairstow. So, Tom, as I said at the start of the show, I give England a, a hope here of, of getting something out of this test match. It will be a fascinating day's cricket tomorrow, so buckle up if you've got nothing better to do. Otherwise, uh, you will enjoy the action. So, England finished today 121 one for one. Uh, Rory Burns 74 not out. Joe Denley 6 not out. So it is going to be a fascinating day's cricket in South Africa tomorrow. Not the only cricket that's being played today. No, it's the iconic uh, Boxing Day Test match down under at the MCG. Have you been? Hey? Have you been? I have been. I went to Boxing Day Test match England when they beat Australia 2011. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And they won that match, and we, we, we had a lock-in with the Barmy Army and the England players <laughs> in one of the local. And, there were, and, and on the final day, it's all, it's I've got to say, the final day there was like 15,000 Barmy Army fans there. But there was probably 2,000 Australian fans there. And then they gave Ricky Ponting the, you're getting sacked in the morning as he Brilliant. walked to the yeah. crease. It's on my bucket list, my sporting bucket list of things that I'd love to do. But I, I fear that I'm in a stage in my life that becomes even more difficult to do uh, with uh, a war office and three children to manage. Uh, because it's one of those ones you've got to do as you're, if you're single or when you retire. It's either or, isn't it? There's a great viral doing the rounds of uh, one of the big news agencies in, the, in, uh, in Australia going around on the Boxing Day test. Lots of excitement, lots of things. All these blokes uh, uh, getting a few uh, seven ups before the game and things like that with uh, with zinc all over their face and all dressed up and um, and, and and the uh, lady says uh, uh, okay so uh, how, how have you been allowed out today on Boxing Day shouldn't you be at home with your family he said yeah yeah it's 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 my first son's first birthday and she went what <laughs> yeah it's yeah I'm missing my first son's first birthday uh, to be here today uh, uh, and she went well how on earth could he said ah oh, there'll be plenty more of them <laughs> I love that. I, I can tell you, though, and the, and the amazing thing about the MCG is, I know we talk at time to time, time about getting a ticket in, to a test match in the UK, <laughs> going to Lords, and we can't get a ticket. I can tell you, though, that New Zealand haven't been invited to play a Boxing Day test match in almost 30 years. 80,000-plus people turned up on the first day of the Boxing wow. Test Match. It's a record for a non-Ashes test match. And three days gone, over 180,000 people wow. have turned up including 20,000 have flown from New Zealand to watch the Boxing Test Match. And friends of mine have gone over as well. So it's been massive there. So to have so many fans from both countries, obviously 20,000 from New Zealand, 60,000 Australians, it's a pretty lively atmosphere there at the MCG, the cauldron that is the MCG. Why has it been so long? Um, Because they haven't deemed New Zealand to be part of that sort of iconic series. They've always had either an Ashes 
uh, or etc. But I think we've got some goal action in the English Premier League. Benji, yes, we do. Chris McCarty, we've got a goal down at Vicarage Road. There it is, Benji. You'll catch up eventually. <laughs> and I can tell you, is I said it was a six-pointer. I said that Watford. I fancied them today. They've taken the lead against Aston Villa. Tom Heaton does so so well to block the initial effort from Abdoulaye Dukouri. He perhaps, if I'm being a little overcritical, perhaps doesn't do enough. He gets down low to his right, he palms it out. Troy Deeney is there on his left foot, he hits it. Heaton gets a bit of it, not enough. It spins in off the post at the far corner. Watford lead Aston Villa by a goal to nil. Oh, their tails are up all right now. Joe Pearson working his magic once again. It's Watford 1, Aston Villa nil. And just back to that cricket at the MCG. So New Zealand haven't been invited to play this iconic sort of yeah. Christmas, uh, the, the Boxing Day or the New Year's Test for a number of years. They haven't been deemed to be sort of A-list enough really? to make make the grade. And yet, I think once the Australian, uh, the Cricket Australia, look at the numbers uh, coming in there, um, I think they'll say, well, this is a Test match series. If we're getting eighty thousand at the MCG, obviously it's showing enough importance to enough people to maybe get an invite back in the future but uh, I've got to say it's been pretty one-sided stuff so far a lot of people not only New Zealanders including myself thought New Zealand might have a chance they were thoroughly outplayed in the in the pink ball test the day night test match at the Wacker in the first match and they've been pretty much um, dominated by Australia after three days of this match New Zealand was dismissed earlier today for only 148 in their first innings that was in reply to Australia's uh, first inning score of 467 and it stumps Australia were 137 for four, so a massive lead after three days of 456 for Australia. It looks pretty doomed and desperate for New Zealand. Trent Bolt, well, he's broken a bone in his hand, so he won't play a part in the Test match or the rest of the series. And it was really domination by Australia with the ball today. Their pace attack's been lethal, led by Pat Cummings, who took five for 28. Let's just have a listen to the wickets to fall today uh, to the Australians when New Zealand were batting, dismissed for 148. Edged In the air. Can Tim Payne get it? He's under it and gone, got him. Ed Shaw taken, dropped at third, but accepted by Burns at first, and Cummins does the damage again. Oh, they like it. The fingers go up in the country box, and so too out in the middle. Edged off the body, catch taken. Patterson gets his second in front of his home crowd. Out. Shoulder of the bat. Edged and gone. The batter doesn't last for long after the lunch break. Edged and gone again. Australia rattling through. Got him. Five wickets for Paddy Cummins. The lightning bolt gets Trent Bolt. And that's the end of the Kiwis. Yeah, that was New Zealand dismissed for 148 in their first innings against the Aussies at the MCG today. Australia massive lead going into day four. They lead by 456, six wickets remaining. The man that did the damage for the uh, Aussies was Pat Cummings, and how magnificent has he been in the last 12 months? He just went for a record fee for the IPL. He is a man in demand in all formats of the game, but Pat Cummings took five for 28. This is what he had to say after the day's play. You know, I feel like I'm always working on things, always trying to get a bit better. Um, you know, some days, you know, feel better than others and it's just about trying to minimise those those days where, you know, rhythm aren't as good. But yeah, for me, you know, I'm always working on things, whether it's trying to get my seam a little bit better or trying to swing the ball a bit more, um, you know, trying to maintain pace. 
yeah, all those things. It's it's kind of a constant battle of um, staying on top of, of plenty of things. But yeah, I don't know. I've I've had a pretty good run lately, so I can't see it getting too much um, you know better than what the last year's been. But hopefully, I can maintain it at that level. The Henry Nichols LBW was your first one in your past seventy Test wickets. Um, is LBW not really part of your thinking in terms of the lengths that you bowl, or, or is that sort of happenstance? Uh, was it first LB? Well, none in England. Probably should have bowled fuller. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I feel like you know a lot of the wickets are caught behind the wicket, or yeah, a few short balls. You know, I feel like you know when the wicket's pretty true, it's it's pretty hard to attack the stump sometimes. So um, that's always a challenge trying to kind of get the ball in a position where you can get an LB or a, or a bold. Um, but yeah, that surprised me because, uh, you know, we always talk about trying to hit the top of the bales and that kind of height. So thanks for that. I'll work on that. <laughs> uh, two goal, goals to uh, talk about uh, in the Premier League before we take a short break. Uh, one up at uh, fast approaching halftime. In fact, players are going in for yep. halftime down yeah, at Southampton. we've got halftime at St James's Park. We've got halftime at St Mary's. We're 25 seconds or so away from halftime at Vicarage Road between Watford and Aston Villa. The scorelines as things stand. Newcastle nil, Everton 1, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has made it two goals from two. That takes him up to 17. Eh, 17? 7. Sorry, Tom, I was getting ahead of myself there. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scoring 17. When he does that, <laughs> he'll be off to bigger and better things, I'm sure, than Everton Football Club. He scored 7 in 18, 2-2 two two for Carlo Angelotti. Southampton nil, Crystal Palace nil, and Watford. They do lead. The, uh, the halftime whistle has just gone at Vicarage Road, and it's that man on our screens, Troy Deeney, that separates the two sides. It's Watford 1, Aston Villa. So, no. little trivia question for you to think about during Ooh, the break. Love a trivia uh, question, Tom. St. James's Park and St. Mary's. Are there any other saints in the Ooh. football league when it comes to grounds? Have a little think about that one. We'll come back straight after that. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Half-time in the Premier League. Three games kicked off at 7 o'clock. Uh, a couple of goals to report on. Uh, let's get your half-time reports from Chris McCartney. Yes, let's start St James's Park, Newcastle against Everton. Carlo Ancelotti's second game in charge. Newcastle, of course, looking to bounce back from that 4-1 defeat to Manchester United on Boxing Day. Everton, they're looking to follow up with another three points after their 1-0 win over Burnley. That was Carlo Ancelotti's first game in charge, the Italian. I can tell you that that opening 45 minutes at St James's Park has been an Italian job well done for Carlo Angelotti because it's Newcastle nil, Everton 1, it's Dominic Calvert-Lewin with the only goal, a real poacher's goal as well, it was a free kick, it deflected to him inside the Newcastle box and just with a little swipe of that right foot into the far corner, no chance for Dubrovska and it is Newcastle nil, Everton 1 I can tell you Southampton nil, Crystal Palace nil. Crystal Palace did have the ball in the back of the net courtesy of Max Meyer but it was ruled out after the VAR boys had given him a little check, Wilfred Zaha had been deemed to have been just a tad offside and we do have a goal at Vicarage Road Watford lead Aston Villa by a goal to nil Troy Deeney it was who profited after Tom Heaton had done well to keep out Abdullah Dukari's initial effort we've just seen a replay of it there he gets a touch to it so he does uh, Heaton on the follow up from Deeney not enough to keep it out though and looking at it again he maybe could have done a little bit better the ball squirms underneath him into the far corner Watford lead Villa by a goal to nil so three games two goals Everton lead as do Watford. 
Well, let's get to the world of rugby because uh, there is action taking place up in the major leagues over in Europe. Uh, the uh, Gallagher Premiership, uh, Pro 14, uh, and also uh, the Guinness. Uh, there's lots to talk about. Let's get some thoughts from Mark Archer. Yeah, let me, just before I bring you the score updates from today, there are four fixtures taking place in the English Premiership, three games also in the Pro 14, and a couple of matches also in the top 14 in France. But let's just reflect back. I guess it's been a big year in rugby, a Rugby World Cup, three World Cups in the decade, first two won by New Zealand, the last one only a matter of a month ago in Japan was won uh, in that final by... Uh, uh, South Africa and I think the captain of the South African team Sia Kilisi has been reflecting on the World Cup victory and what it means for all South Africans Yeah I was I was so happy uh, we were all so happy as a team because this made us realise why, why we did it you know, and what we did it for and who we did it for and to sing people in South Africa like this so happy and united like this was really strong and we're hoping it's just not for this moment it carries on for years to come and yeah, we've got to keep, keep the momentum and keep on doing what we have to do. As a child growing up, could you have ever imagined watching somebody like yourself with your backstory lifting a Rugby World Cup? No, no, I've always said it and I even said it to my teammates. I never dreamed of this opportunity in a million years. But I think I'm glad, I'm glad that it happened because we all come from different backgrounds and the teammates. And now kids can start dreaming about this moment because we've done it. Guys like Mampimpi from rural areas, guys like Peter Seif who come from a, like a, a farm area. And now all those kids can just say, you know what, they did it, we can also do it. He's a good shout for sportsman yeah. of the year. Great shout. Yeah, what, what an amazing uh, man, that his backstory to him and then obviously leading South Africa to that uh, Rugby World Cup victory, fantastic uh, win for South Africa over England in that final. And Sia Khaleesi was a man that led from the front and uh, has come out of, with a lot of credit. There is, Tom, though, some live rugby uh, action in the Northern Hemisphere. I can give you a couple of score updates from the English Premiership. Northampton lead your beloved Gloucester, 30 points to 26. <laughs> Bath <laughs> at halftime. Not having a great time of it with the no, teams at the moment. Bath, Bath lead sailed at halftime, 6-0, and uh, Worcester Warriors uh, have a lead over London Irish, 13 points to 3. Late quick-off is at the Stoop, where Quinns uh, will take on Leicester. Uh, and there was a result from last night in the English Premiership where Wasps defeated Bristol, 26 points to 21. A couple of matches. It's Derby Day in the Pro 14. In the Italian Derby, Benetton Treviso are taking on Zibri and they've won that match 36 points to 25. The Scottish Derby sees Edinburgh taking on Glasgow at half time. It's seven all there. And then the, the Irish Derby has Munster hosting Leinster in the in the late kickoff. A couple of matches in the top 14 to bring you. Leon had a big win over Beyond, uh, 52 points to nine. And at half time, uh, Racing 92 lead Bree of uh, 29 points to 13. You bang up to date. Bang up to date with your rugby union. Uh, great game last night. In fact, I watched this one late last night. Uh, the beauties of the family being away. Miss them dearly as I do. <laughs> 12 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> the Gallagher Prem. I'll have a bit of that. Why not? Oh, Tom, uh, do yeah, that on a regular night? It mom. was a brilliant one as well because it went down right to the last minute and then uh, Wasps uh, snatching victory from uh, the, in the last minute against Bristol Bears. I've, been, I've enjoyed Bristol Bears this season. They've been a great, a, a great sort of addition to the Gallagher Premiership again. Yeah, the spending money's spending some serious yeah. cash, right? And did I not read as well this past week that Liam Williams is leaving uh, Saracens to head to the Scarlets on about four hundred and fifty grand a year deal as well? The money's swashling around. Rugby right They've now. got the big private uh, private investment funds putting Sc money into Scarlet. the Premiership, which ah. means that the clubs have more money 
etc. And they've all you know invested in this. So rugby in the northern hemisphere, club level, it's a pretty pretty good place to yeah, really Because is. that's he, he that was another story of twenty nineteen, wasn't it? Saracens. Uh, well, Saracens is, is 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 a story for one reason, but Bristol is a story for for another as well. Because that investment that's gone in, not just to Bristol Bears uh, rugby, that is, but football in Bristol. Steve Lansdowne. Uh, yeah, a lot of money coming into sport in that part of the world, um, and the, the 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 buying policies that they brought into uh, their their off season. Who is it? Piatau, isn't it? Piatau. Charles Piatau. Charles Pat Lamb. Pat Lamb, the former Samoan and Auckland. Charles Piatau became the first one million pound. Yes. Rugby player yep. in the Northern Hemisphere. He did, yeah. Yeah, and, and, so, and in do, doing so, turned down basically a career opportunity with the All Blacks as well, because he left when he was relatively young, on the on the on the fringes there, being started to be picked, and he and he turned down an All Black career to secure secure a future for his family and move to the Northern Hemisphere. It's fascinating. And then when you look at the sort of lineup against them yesterday with Wasp, and they've got their own problems at the moment as well. They're at the wrong end of the table. Die Young trying to get uh, his team back onto an even uh, keel. Uh, but you look at the facts, you know, Fekitoa is down there at the moment. And also, interesting one, uh, Jacob Umaga. Recognise the surname? Is it uh, Tana's son? Tana's, Tana's son? nephew. nephew? Yeah. So Michael Umaga was, uh, played for Samoa, didn't he? He was a Samoan legend Correct. for a, uh, yeah. a long time, yeah. I think, brother. Yeah. Uh, went to the way and, and did all right for the new for, for the All Blacks. And that's his son. Seven's over there, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, He'll be a half-decent player, is he? Uh, 19 years old, playing number nine, playing number 10 for, for, uh, for Wasps. I yeah. think he's got a future. He's, yeah, he's doing all right, isn't he? English as well. Is he really? Yeah. Of course he is. Born in, of course he is. Born in Dewsbury. <laughs> is he actually? Yeah. Ah, oh, so he's... English mum, born and up in Yorkshire, Yorkshire yeah. lad, through so and through. So he's obviously got aspirations of one I suppose day. he's got a choice, hasn't he? Interesting. Yeah, it's exciting. Probably got two or three choices. Samoa. Yeah. England. Yeah. Uh, or New Zealand. But would, he, would he qualify for New Zealand? If his dad played for Samoa, his mum's from England... But his dad might have a New Zealand passport. Because okay, he did play, yeah. I think he played uh, either Super Rugby or domestic rugby sure. in New Zealand. So yeah, he may he may have multiple options. Multiple options indeed. The world of rugby has thrown up no shortage uh, of storylines throughout the last year. Any rugby players make it into your list? Okay, a couple of other names are coming through Ooh. to us uh, from listeners out there. Thank you very much indeed to all the team back in the studio. I think it's uh, Viva Las Vargas who's working her socks off this evening back there. Uh, let's get another one. This one's just come through from uh, from Paul uh, saying Rory just won the FedEx Cup, guys. $15 million for the day. Can't do much better than that. Yeah, that's the money that's involved. It's one tournament at the end of the day. I'm not knocking it. I'd love to be able to swing a golf club like Rory, but I'm not putting monetary value to tournaments to, to Well, then we'd say Floyd Mayweather's probably your dominant yeah. sportsman if of the last the decade. Going, Conor McGregor. We haven't thrown Conor McGregor in there Khabib yet either. Khabib Nurmagomedov. There's one for you. Still unbeaten in the octagon. Yeah. Khabib Nurmagomedov I'll throw him in that's kind of maybe jumping on the bandwagon he's been time. he's been big in the last two or three years really hasn't he yeah but he's still big in the last you'd two put or Conor McGregor ahead of him for the what he's done in the decade oh what he's done for transcending the sport yeah you probably say yes and he's banked a truckload more and cash. not necessarily in a good way but then Khabib's unbeaten in the octagon Floyd Mayweather of, of the whole decade though you go back he's still what so in what's his he 40s done this now decade? he fought Manny yeah okay he fought Manny and won we're still undefeated in the decade Canelo Alvarez ah yeah yeah I'm just trying to think of what he's done he's not <laughs> fought that much Canelo Manny he fought Connor but does that count he, he fought a YouTuber in Japan that's not counting so over the piece I can't think what else maybe I'm doing Floyd a disservice looking back on his 
uh, last decade. I'm going to double check. He's banked this. a few checks. Oh, he's <laughs> banked some massive checks. Whilst but we do some digging, we're going to take a short break. It is eight o'clock in the evening. One more hour left uh, on the grill, uh, and plenty more to look uh, forward to. We've got the second half uh, of the games kicking off at seven o'clock, and before we've gone off air in this hour, in this final hour, uh, we will have the kickoffs in the eight thirties as well. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.